Welcome to the Ingrained and Balanced Podcast, a place where busy adults can find the knowledge and inspiration to get back on track to living a healthier, well-balanced lifestyle. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Ingrained and Balanced Podcast. And I'm going to say that you guys are lucky to be sitting in on this interview with us because it's a truly amazing story. Um, the gentleman we're going to be talking to today, his name is Rod Ravinsky. He's been through some ups and downs in life, but wow, does he find a way to get back on track. And I think um, that's what a lot of our show is about. We try to uh, not only get some uh, expert opinions and professional advice, but hear from just everyday people that have overcome adversity and what were the things that triggered them to getting back on track and what are they doing every day? How do they wake up? What are their healthy habits? And wait till you hear what he has to say about how COVID affected him and the support system he had around him and where he is today. So I can't wait to get into it. So without any further ado, let's get into it. All right, here we go. Good morning, guys. Ron, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Of course, of course. We've been looking forward to it. Thanks for getting up bright and early. I know you're on the West Coast. You're a few hours earlier than we are. So I really appreciate that. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Before we get into it, uh, we always like to ask our guests what they did this morning as it relates to a healthy habit. Let me guess, because I'm surprised at how many people I talk to that live on the West Coast and don't go running on the beach or bike riding on the beach. You know, I, I is that crazy? I mean, I'm like, when's the last time you went to the beach? Oh, I haven't been to the beach in a year. I'm like, that's crazy because in Chicago, I mean, that's one of the biggest things we take advantage of the lakefront, right? We get go bike riding, go for a run. So what did you do this morning? Tell me, did you go to the beach and run or bike ride? I unfortunately don't live very close to the beach. And as your other guest, I, I don't go to the beach very often. I'm. Yeah, when was the last sad. time? When was the last uh, time? Oh my goodness. The last time I went to the beach. Oh, it, oh uh, probably a couple of years ago. I don't take advantage of it, but I, but I do drive by it all the time. And I, um, I look at the ocean. It's quite uh, relaxing. Okay. So what what did you do this morning? What do you try to do every morning to get your day started? In the mornings, I wake up and I go to the gym and uh, I make myself a protein shake. That's the fuel that I use. And uh, I go to the gym and I work out for anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half. So this morning, I did not do that because I'm sitting here speaking with you because it's seven o'clock in the morning. Oh, that's right. You need a day I off, promise. Right? I'll, I promise I go afterward. Yeah, how many days a week do you get in there? I try to go four to five days a week. Dude, that's great. I mean, yeah, because I, I think you're around my age, which uh, we won't have to tell everybody. We'll get into that later. <laughs> well, listen, I, I I was looking forward to having you on the show because you have an incredible story. I, I know earlier in life, um, you said you kind of weren't you were a little intimidated by the gym. Is that correct? And then you decided to get into running, right? Tell us about that. How what made you decide to get into running instead of going into the gym? Well, as a child, I wasn't physically fit in any way. I was, um, I dreaded PE class. It was uh, really, I'd rather do math. I'd rather do English, uh, but the PE class was the most challenging. I felt uh, inadequate. I looked around and all the other kids were strong and um, physically fit, and I didn't have that ability whatsoever. So getting into my gym clothes each morning was always just such a challenge because I thought that I just didn't fit in. And I was, you know, I'd sit in that class and I'd go in the class and, uh, you know, when they'd start choosing teams for the different sports that we were going to participate in, and I was always chosen last, always, because I had no ability whatsoever. And I also had no desire. 
I, it just didn't sit well with me. So it kept me from the gym for many, many, many years because I didn't think I had the ability to, to do anything. And then many, many years later, uh, it was suggested that I run a 5K. And I thought, sure, let's, let's do that. I'll run a 5K. But I, but I had no idea what that involved or what that entailed. And as I started, you know, for lack of a better word, training on my own, I realized I didn't know what I was doing. So I thought what would be helpful was to join a run club because at that point I'd have the camaraderie and the spirit of the others to elevate me and teach me basically what to do so I wouldn't get uh, injured. And I joined an amazing run club that took place at Griffith Park. We ran all over that place. I've run up to the Hollywood sign. Uh, you know, we, we, we ran hills, we ran the streets, we ran on trails. Before I knew it, I, I, was, I was running a 5K. And uh, the 5K was very successful, and I enjoyed it so much that I decided that I wanted to continue on and build on that because, you know, as we do with, with the gym as well, we build. The coach there was very inspirational, and uh, he basically said, we're going to train you. And I said, sure, I'm, I'm up for it. But I said, I, I only want to do uh, a half marathon. I'm, I'm, I have no interest in running a marathon whatsoever. I, that doesn't interest me. So I said, okay, we'll train you for a half marathon. We basically had uh, different sets of trainings where we ran at a slower pace for a certain period of time, and then we increased the training by mileage. So we would start by training for uh, timed runs for 20 minutes, 40 minutes, 60 minutes, and we would build on that. And then once we got to a certain point of, of uh, time that we've reached to create the ability and the endurance to do the runs, we changed the training, sped it up by a minute and a half, and then we started focusing on the mileage itself. And when I got to about 13 miles, you know, I, I was able to run a half marathon. Anyway, I continued running with the group, and it was, it was fantastic. I love the people and just kept doing it. And at one point, the LA Marathon was coming into town, and he said, who's running the LA Marathon? And I, I did not raise my hand. And he said, why aren't you raising your hand? I said, I've only trained for a half marathon. And he said, well, let me, let me tell you something. I kind of fooled you. You've been trained for a marathon. What? And uh, he said, you have the ability to run the marathon. You just didn't realize that I was training you for it. And I signed up, and I got to the start line at Dodger Stadium. And sure enough, I ran from Dodger Stadium to the beach that we discussed this morning. Wow. And it was 26.2 miles. And you finished I felt, it. Yeah. I finished it. I felt strong. I did it uh, in four hours and 55 minutes. It was the biggest accomplishment that I had ever achieved in my life. And I'm not going to lie that when I got to the finish line, all I could think about was young me in PE class, not able to do anything and being the loser who was always chosen last. And there I was at the finish line with the medal around my neck. And it was, it was such a moment for me. And I just couldn't help but think about how, how much I'd accomplished. And you know, when you, when you have that kind of accomplishment, you want to continue on with that success. So I did that for about four years. So I did countless half marathons, I ran more marathons, and then I did one of the most uh, challenging things, which I, co I completed a Ragnar race. Ragnar race is where you live in a van with five other people, and it's a relay race. And we ran, as a team, about 200 miles. There were two vans that were involved. We were van one, and then there was van number two. And uh, you, run, you each run a leg, take a break, sleep in the van while the, other, while the other van runs, and back and forth. So you have three legs per person. I was told I would just be running about 12 or 13 miles throughout the, the race in three different segments. Unbeknownst to me, again, that's what happens in life. You ran a marathon every time. <laughs> I ran 24 miles over the course of, you know, the two days. 
with absolutely no sleep, no showering. And um, it was That's one of the great. most never heard incredible experiences. Oh yeah, Ragnar Relay Race is fantastic. And what was great about it was there we were, you know, we started off in the, in the, the mountains in Las Vegas and there was snow and suddenly I'm in shorts when I get down to the, the desert. But I was kind of complaining to myself, oh, this is awful. I'm tired. I don't want to be living in this van. But what happened was that I was surrounded by so many inspirational people on my team and uh, they made it fun and they made it an adventure. And when we got to the end of the race, we waited for the second team to arrive and we decided that we were going to run the, we were going to cross the finish line together. So we did that. We were at the Red Rock Casino in Las Vegas and we crossed the finish line. The organizers handed us a stack full of medals. And I thought like in a typical race, the race, the medal would be put around my, my head. And instead, we were handed this stack of medals, and there was a table next to the finish line. Everyone ran to this table. I couldn't figure out why we were running to a table. And all of a sudden, everyone said, here's your medal, here's your medal. And they, we, we grabbed them, and they said, all right, turn it over. So we turn over the medal, and what I realized at that moment was it was a puzzle. And each medal was a piece of the puzzle. And the only way to complete the puzzle was to complete, was to get everyone together just as we had done the race. And we flipped it over, and it said, together, we, we ran almost 200 miles as a team. And I realized at that moment what the race was all about. It wasn't about the running through the desert. It wasn't about, about the lack of sleep. It was the unity and the camaraderie that we had to be able to accomplish, accomplish this as one. And the only time that these medals would, would um, that the puzzle would be complete was with all of us together in the one space. So when I saw the medals all slapped across the table, I realized exactly what the purpose was. And it changed my entire attitude about the experience. So uh, that was... That was just really wonderful. You said that uh, completing your marathon was the greatest accomplishment of your life. In terms of physicality. Okay. All right. Okay. In terms of physicality. So that's that's different. But but what you actually said was it was the greatest accomplishment of your life. And I thought to myself like, wow, like I I ran a marathon one time. Like I I ran it after... I had a martial arts tournament like three weeks before and I ripped open, like I had bleeding blisters on the bottom of my feet after that tournament. And so I was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm not going to run the marathon. And it was the Chicago marathon and, and it, it's run in like October or yeah, I think it was run in October. And I, on the morning of the marathon, I woke up and, and, I, and, and it was raining and I was like, you know what? I haven't trained for this. Like. I didn't do any training. I don't know. I, I, I ran in high school. So I had like some like running shorts and shirts and stuff like that. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to run it. I'm in great shape. That's Martin. That's <laughs> I'm like, just going to run that's it. That's you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that is not me. That is not uh, that, me. Not me either. No, no. <laughs> so, so I understand. I, I'm actually made it so, uh, all kinds of problems like running, you know, I'm sure you, you had the same thing like running a marathon. I didn't use any Vaseline. So, my arms and my thighs got like ripped up. Like it was just terrible. Like, you know, it, it, all the chafing, chafing. And then I, I, I used an old, I used my old track shirt from high school, which was nylon. Okay. Because I ran track, I ran hurdles. <laughs> sure. So by the end of the race, my nipples were bleeding. <laughs> oh my dude. What? <laughs> it happens. It happened. It never happened yeah. to me. It never yeah. happened to me, but it does happen on that day of the marathon in October, it happened to snow. 
during the marathon. Of course it did. Yeah. <laughs> so I was running up Lake Shore Drive, wind in my face, snow in the face. So I made it like 20, I think I made it like 22 miles. Like, you know, I started, you know, having a, a cramp here. So I, I get what, you know, how, what an accomplishment finishing a marathon is. I've never, fi- I never finished. The only time I tried it and I was, a, you know, I was sore for like a week and a half afterwards. I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that again. So I, I get that. But when you said it's the greatest accomplishment of your life, I was like, hmm, that had a real emotional like attachment to it, right? Because it did. I mean, it did. It, it's it's great to finish a marathon, but lots of people finish marathons. But for you, it was a little different, right? Because you grew up, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get, I, I'm an introvert. I'm actually an introvert. Um, I'm guessing that you certainly, if you're if you don't consider yourself an introvert now, you probably grew up as an introvert. Is that a problem? no? No, no, I'm not an introvert at all. No, you're, I'm an extrovert. You're an no, extrovert. I love people. No, okay. I just didn't have the ability to. I didn't have the physical ability or desire. I just, I, I don't watch sports now. Uh, it's not anything that brings me any form of pleasure. So the fact that I was at, the fact that I go to the gym now is, is pretty shocking. No, it is, I don't watch any sports whatsoever. It is not part of my world. That's, it, that's interesting. So that must have really affected you because I'm an introvert, but I love competition. And so when I was growing up as a kid, I used to play all the time in every sport because, you know, I, I, I enjoyed physicality. I loved to wrestle. I was, you know, like relatively strong, tough kid, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't really like, I didn't love the social aspect of it. I loved the competition of it. And for an extrovert, you must've looked at that and been like, God, I wish I could participate in that in some way. And I would think it would be frustrating. And then you don't really find a way to participate in it or have, you know, get your extrovertism and sports together until like you're significantly, you know, significantly. 40. Yeah. I started running it when I was 40 years old. I was old. just about to ask yeah. that, you know, yeah, well, we find it. That's yeah, an interesting, I, cause on this show, we always ask, you know, we, I, I get to the, the root, the catalyst of, you know, what made you decide to go on a, a healthier journey or start your, your journey. And, um, that's why when, when I read your story about the running, cause I hate running and, 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 and you know, I want to ask you a question. If you were to advise somebody now, um, that said they could relate and have a similar journey as yours, knowing what you know now from a health perspective, would you advise somebody to get into long distance running? I can tell you that I did it for four years, and after four years, my body, starting at the age of forty, what it was not, uh, it was not the best thing for my body. I do miss it. I, I love the whole. I, I can't say this. I can't believe I'm saying this. I love the sport because I don't like sports. It was huge when I had to stop because it was such a part of my life. I was part of the running community. I'd go to races. People would see me. I'd run into people along the course. It was a social thing for me. It had nothing to do with competition. The only competition I had was with myself. And can I, can I accomplish this? But I would walk, unlike you, when you got to the marathon, when I got to the start line, which I always saw as the win, the win wasn't necessarily completing the race. The win was showing up. The win was signing up, showing up, and getting to the start line. And once your, your foot crossed the start line, that to me was the biggest win. It didn't matter if I didn't complete. I always completed. But for me, the showing up was the win. Marty, isn't that funny? Because one thing we, we preach all the time on this uh, on the show is 
is just get to the starting line, get yeah. to your starting point. You know, first identify what that is and begin your journey. Don't worry about the destination because if you do, you're setting yourself up for failure. We always thought, it's funny you just said that's a great parallel to what we kind of promote. Yeah. So it's, and, and oftentimes, so, so for me, getting to the starting line is a lot of times inertia, right? So that, that, you know, different people have different issues getting to the starting line. For me, it's usually inertia, slop, you know, whatever you, whatever you want to call it. But I never consider getting to the starting line a win. So when you say getting to the starting line is a win for you, why is that? Why is getting to the starting line a win for you? Because I showed up. And because... But why is that hard for you? Uh, for me, it's hard for inertia and sloth. Why is it hard for you? I think, again, it goes back to the fact that I didn't show up when I was in PE class. I wasn't there. I wasn't invested at all. And when I, show up to the, when I used to show up to the races, I had done the training. I was ready for, in your mind, competition. I was ready to accomplish the goal. And you weren't going to be embarrassed? No, because it was my race. It was my pace. It was my own journey. And that's the one thing I loved about the sport. I was in competition with myself. And you prepared, right? Absolutely. And you prepared, right? So, so you were confident in, hey, I know what I'm doing. Like, I have an idea of like, hey, I, 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 I kind of got this, right? Which is not a feeling he had as a kid, right? When exactly. Were, so, And there was also no one judging me. The only person judging me was myself. You know, I'd look back at the results and go, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. Or I'd look how amazing I did. And a very good friend of mine used to say, you know, when you show up to the race, make sure you bring one important thing. I said, what's that? She said, your excuse. Because at some point, something will go wrong and you'll say to yourself, oh, I didn't bring enough water. Oh, my leg was hurting. So she said, when you show up to the start line, don't forget your excuse as well. Because yes, you've done the training, you've done the work. But at some point, something's going to happen and you have to say to yourself, well, that's the excuse. But you accept it and you move on. And like I said, I never, I completed every race that I started. You know, some were better than others. Uh, my second marathon was actually the hardest. My grandmother was on her deathbed, and um, she'd had a stroke a few days before, and we thought that she was going to pull out of it, and she she didn't. And my sister and I both ran the LA Marathon the day that we had to say goodbye to our grandmother because she'd been on life support for about a week. And we both got to the start line, and we both started crying as we got there. We didn't run together. We never did. But about 13 miles into the 26-mile the race, I just ran out of steam. And I think I was emotionally spent because I knew what was waiting for me at the, at the finish line, essentially. And I started walking, which is not something I ever did during a race. And I just, I knew I was going to complete it. I just wasn't going to complete it in a very strong way. And as I said, I knew a lot of people in the community. And what happened was, is that as I was walking, people that were behind me started catching up to me and they would see me and they would say, what is wrong? This is not you. This is not who you are. And I explained that quickly what was happening. And they said, come with us. We'll take you on part of the journey. And along that race, I ran into what I called three running angels because there were three sets of people that, you know, you, there are thousands of people that run a race. And suddenly there I am running to people that I know. And they said, we're going to carry you as far as we can. And I would get to a point where I would run with them. They would take me as far as I could go. I would kind of walk again. And then I ran into more people and more people. And those people got me to the finish line. The irony is I was doing so well at the start of the race that I only finished about 11 minutes past my previous run, my previous marathon. So I still finished in pretty good time. But emotionally, I was destroyed. And when you know, I got to the, uh, the finish line, I just broke down and cried. And then eventually that evening, I had to go say goodbye. But 
I did it because, number one, I was paying homage to her, but I also wanted to kind of prove to myself that even with that whole emotional state of mind, I could still finish. And I did. I wonder if you ever would have stayed on that journey if your coach didn't <laughs> psych you. you lie know, to me. Lie yeah, to me. lie to you and totally did that first race. I mean, the fact that that, what a confidence booster that must have been for you to, to do your first marathon in four hours, under five hours or whatever. I mean, that, that's incredible. Yeah. I, again, from someone that, that almost didn't pass PE, it yeah. was, it was a huge accomplishment. <laughs> almost didn't pass. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> You Marty, I'm telling you, I didn't, Marty, I almost <laughs> didn't pass PE. You didn't uh, understand. I mean, thank God they gave you points for putting uh, on the shorts because yeah, just it was a disaster. Up, you got right. a, a C at least, so, right? So I, I got a C. I never right. got higher than a C in PE. Okay. All right. right. So, okay. so, but that's, that's you know, a D is barely passing. I got D's in handwriting, so I can say I barely passed. Yeah, I've seen your handwriting. Okay. So <laughs> A C is not barely passing. A C well, is it was barely passing for me in terms of PE. <laughs> it is uh, unusual, though. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Don't Let's judge get to me. The... Don't judge me, Marty. Right. Let's get to the next phase. <laughs> so um, tell us about what happens. You, you, you face some injuries, and then you get off this this your health and wellness path for a little while. So what happened in that time of your life? Yeah, so what happened was is that I developed immense Achilles tendonitis that I still struggle with today. So running is no longer part of my world. I started wearing hokas years ago at the request of my podiatrist because he said, these are shoes that are going to support you in the way that you need support. Uh, so suddenly you go from being physical and running and you, uh, my uh, metabolism was fast and I was, you know, my body was used to that. And suddenly I came to a complete dead halt. And I started gaining weight and I was depressed because of the fact that suddenly I didn't have that social aspect because again, being the extrovert that I am, it sent me to a huge depression. And uh, there was nothing else that inspired me in the way that the running did at the time. So I just didn't do anything. And I'm not a couch potato. I just didn't do much moving. I wasn't walking. I didn't, I didn't do anything. I, I, ironically, I, I still wore the, the running watch, my, my Garmin, but I wasn't using it in the way it was supposed to be used. Did your eating habits stay the same? You know, when you're running, you can pretty much eat whatever you want because you're burning it off. And I was running so much mileage each week. So I was pretty thin and um, it, I, I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't thinking about the food. I was just thinking about the fact that I wasn't gaining weight. So it had nothing to do with the nutrition. It was just, oh, I'm still looking pretty good. And then when that came to a stop, suddenly, you know, everything got bigger. And I was always a medium in, in life. And suddenly I was up to a large. And the waistline was expanding and, the, you know, suddenly I was, I was resistant to buying new clothes because I thought, oh, the, the weight will come off and the weight wasn't coming off. And, uh, but I refused to invest any real money in clothes. So I would buy, you know, I would go to thrift stores and go, this is temporary. This is absolutely temporary. I'm not going to buy new clothes. No, 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 no not happening. Eventually I had to buy new clothes because they, the weight wasn't coming off and I wasn't doing anything to change, to change my habits. So, so how long was this time period where let's let's say you know sort of injury creates uh, this this environment where you can no longer do what you're what you suddenly became good at and and felt confident in and enjoyed and now your body is sort of telling you you know this is not a good idea for you to do it anymore so now you're not doing much of anything athletically four years four years I went without any sort of physical activity whatsoever. I mean, I'm a, I, I can walk, but I wasn't choosing to walk. You know, take me to a theme park, I'll, I'll do the mileage, but I wasn't making an effort to actually do the exercises. So I gained weight. And 
when you're in a depression, you're really not thinking about what's healthy. At least I wasn't. So, you know, um, fast food became a way of life. I'm highly addicted to sugar. I love sugar. I really do. It's a huge problem for me. It's the battle that I have until this day. I love pastry. I love cookies and pies and you name it, anything. I don't need candy. I like, I like, like baked goods. So I'm also a baker on the side. So when you are addicted to crack and you can create your own crack, it's not a good thing. <laughs> right, right. If I want cookies, I can make cookies and I promise you they're going to be amazing cookies. However, that's not necessarily a good thing if you're able to do what you need, you know. Do you fight t- that today? Even when, when when you're going to the gym, you know, f- how many days a week? I mean, you know, f- four or five days I a week? I go to the gym um, about four or five days a week. And you, st- but you're, you've still got a sugar habit or it's, you're oh, yeah. manage it now. I manage it because I make choices. Uh, believe me, I, I, I walk into the cheesecake factory and I start to salivate about everything that I want. Now, do I indulge? I don't, but I absolutely want everything in the case. Take me to a bakery. It's my favorite thing in the world. I love it. Go to a bake. I mean, I look around and, and I also like to create those things. So having the passion to, to, to go into the kitchen and do that. And then also want to consume it, you know, it's, it's very bad habits. Let's let's talk about that for a second as a, as a good habit, right? So how do you how do you you know keep an eye on that? Like I always my, one of my personal habits is like I love wine. I love red wine. I'm not a big sweet guy. I love ice cream to a fault. So my trick is I just don't carry any in my house because if I do, <laughs> I'll eat a whole gallon in one sitting of ice cream. I'll just you know I'll drink a whole bottle of wine. So I just I can't keep it in the house. That's my habit. So how do you? maintain a healthy habit of not eating sweets do you not carry stuff in the house or what's your what's your go-to well i started eating a lot of fruit so the fruit was actually uh, a much better alternative but i can't say that i don't keep sugar in the house like i said i'm i I like to bake but the good thing the, the thing about me is when i bake i actually donate so for me it's about the process of the creating of course i'll try something because i want to make sure that i like it because you know, I'll add it to the arsenal of, of goods that I'm going to bring to some to a party or something. But for me, it's about the process of creating. It's not the process of consuming at that point. Um, and I've always been that way. The problem is that if I bake a cake, I'll take a sliver just to make sure it tastes good, and I I won't care. If you make the same cake, I'll have five slices. It's just my own my own problem. It's so that's true. a weird form of self discipline right there. <laughs> that's, that's very interesting, but I, right? I, I mean, it's good that you understand that about yourself. It's like, okay, if I make it, I'm going to be very careful, and I know that my intention was to make it for someone else because that's what I do. I don't make things for myself. Correct. Having said that, if somebody else made it, I want to eat it. <laughs> oh, it's, I told you, it's a problem. It's a huge problem. I I love sugar, and take me to a potluck. It's a it's an issue because I'm oh you know. So you're still struggling with diet a little bit, at least in in sweet, right? Absolutely. But at some point, you got back on the wagon of exercise, but you did it in a much different way, if I understand correctly. So can you talk yeah, about that? Yeah, exactly. Like, what you do and how you got there? Well, uh, again, going back to the fact that I'm uh, an extrovert, my journey started to take place after COVID. I was very affected by COVID. Being someone that likes to be around people, when we were suddenly placed into lockdown and we couldn't go anywhere and we couldn't, you know, going to the grocery store was a challenge and standing in line for toilet paper and all of the bad things that came with COVID, not being able to see people, it sent me to a huge depression. Forget about not running. That was nothing compared to what I faced with COVID. Suddenly I couldn't go outside and be around people. 
And that was the biggest struggle. And I started to go crazy. It was the darkest time in my life. And I, I became suicidal because I just couldn't handle the fact that we were stuck in our houses and that we were, and if we went outside, we had to wear a mask. And all of the, you know, I didn't like the fact that we were suddenly having phone calls on Zoom and meetings on Zoom and television was Zoom and everything was just, we weren't around people. And it just sent me into a dark place. And, um, you know, not being happy with who I was uh, spiritually, emotionally, everything was just really dark for me. I did get to a point where I essentially took myself off of all my medications because I didn't think I'd be able to survive in this world. I didn't see that there was a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you're watching the news and you're hearing about all the deaths that take place. And I just thought that I, I just didn't want to live in that world. So I took myself off of my, my medications and eventually I went back on them because I realized I really did not want to kill myself, but I just couldn't see any further than what was in front of me. Anyway, that was when I was 48 years old. And I just decided that I was going to do better for myself. And although I wasn't making a uh, health change, I had made a spiritual change. When I got to 49, as I was approaching the age of 49, I decided that I was doing so much better spiritually and mentally. But the physically speaking, I didn't feel that way. And I felt that there needed to be uh, a change there because I wanted the the outside to match the inside. I was doing so much better and I had so much support and there were many people that rallied around me. You know, there was intervention. There were people from work that met at a park that wanted to make sure that I was okay. In the height of COVID, we all met at a park and they just said, you need help and we're here to help you and we want you to know that we love you. So when I had all that support and I looked around and realized that things weren't as dark as I thought they were, I, I wanted to celebrate that. So as I was approaching 49, I decided I'm going to get into shape because I think that I owe that to myself. And it was at that point that I contacted my uh, nutritionist, Tim Liu, and said, I need help. Help me. And he said, I'm here for you. And we spoke for a good half hour. And uh, he had a phys- he made me a complete a physical assessment. And I kid you not, I couldn't do, I, I was struggling at maybe eight push-ups. And he just, he said, it's okay. It's all right. He goes, you can't do it now, but you will be able to do it. So we decided, or I decided, and with his guidance, I said, I'm going to spend the year from 49 to 50, I'm going to get into shape so that when I hit 50, not only am I going to celebrate that I'm still physically here, I'm going to celebrate that I'm physically fit. And I spent one full year really making sure that I invested in me in a way that I hadn't done before. Forget the marathon. This was different. This was life-changing. I was going to make a change. And I... With his guidance, I started working out at home, and um, he put together a program. And every day, you know, I would do what I needed to do. And the mantra was one push-up at a time. Just I had to get through the push-ups. It was the hardest thing for me. I had no strength whatsoever. And any workout that he devised for me, uh, I needed to make sure I got those those push-ups done first because I needed that that stamina to be able to get through them. But every day I completed what I needed to do. And that was the start of the journey. That's an amazing, I love hearing that because it's a good example of just starting somewhere and, you know, getting the momentum going, getting the ball rolling and you did it from home. You know, that's actually where I got the idea for this podcast was because during COVID, same, right? I didn't, couldn't go to my gym. I didn't have any equipment in my house. I'm like, how do I maintain my physical fitness? You know, and I just 
went on YouTube and I started following some some trainers that provided some at-home workouts. So uh, for our listeners, Tim Liu, that was just mentioned, he was on a previous episode. So you give him a lot of credit. He was a big part of getting you started, getting you into where you are now. How much, how, how much weight have you lost since you started at home? 30 pounds. 30 pounds. And, and pounds. What, what kind of time period? Over what time period? A year. Did you lose that? Okay. You lost 30 pounds in a year. I'm curious for somebody who, you know, admittedly was never uh, super athletic and, you know, but when they, they, you, you got uh, proficient, at least proficient, right? I mean, probably better uh, in distance running. But you lost kind of the ability to do, you know, distance running that you were, you know, in that area that you were proficient. Now you have to do something that you've never been athletic and you're working out in something that you're actually like, let's call it, if you could do eight push ups, like that's not good, right? You're, you're, you weren't no. good. You weren't good at that, right? So no. do you think it was good for you to start? at home relative to going into a gym. That was important to you, right? Oh, absolutely. It was about comfort. Yeah. Because, because going into a gym at that point is super scary. I had to, I mean, I couldn't be around everyone else and not be able to do the push-ups, and I just didn't feel any comfort. And for me, you know, the thing about Tim was when I started with him, he said, what is it you need for me? And I said, I need education. I said, what I don't have is education. I see these people on television who look amazing. You know, they've got these bodies that of course everybody wants to have. I don't know how do you, how do you achieve that? What do you do? What, what's the process? How do you go to the gym and do that? I said, I, I don't know what, what it is to do that. And I, and I said, I need education. I need guidance. And, um, I said, I'm, I'm doing this at the age of 49. So forget about the fact that I want to do it. I'm also battling the fact that I'm a little bit older per se. So here I am at 49 starting to work out. So I said, I need the education. And he said, I've got you. I said, I know. I said, that's why I'm talking to you. We had been friends for a period of time. In fact, he he assessed me many years ago when I was a runner and tried to get me into the gym and to, to work out. And I wasn't into it because I was I was running. I said to him, what do you need from me? He said, I need your commitment. He said, but most important, I need you to meet me halfway. He said, I'm going to devise the plan and you show up, kind of like I did at the start line. And he said, if you show up and we work together, you meet me halfway, I promise you together, we will build something really incredible for you. He said, but you just need to meet me halfway. And he kept me accountable. And he checked on me every single week. And he was the ultimate motivator, but ultimately the ultimate cheerleader. And no matter when I struggled or when I couldn't do something or I was essentially crying about something that I, you know, I, I thought I would fail at, he said, you've got this, you can do it. You know, he worked with me. He was very patient, weekly calls, you know, just let's talk about what your progress is. How are you feeling? What's the body looking like? What do you feel you're struggling with? What can I help you with? And we did this all virtually, by the way, we never met in person. It was all done via an online program that he created for me. We had our phone calls, we had video chats. But we never met in person. In fact, he didn't see the results of his work until a year later, about three weeks before my 50th birthday. So, I mean, he saw photos, but he didn't actually see me. And that was a really cool interaction when he finally saw me. And, you know, he was very impressed. You're getting comfortable. You're getting your education. You're getting some confidence, right? So you're feeling a little proficiency now. 
but there's still probably some apprehension about going into the gym. Although you wanted to go into the gym because you're an extrovert, you want to be around other people and gyms are communities too. So there's, you know, there's, they, they can be certainly for, for lots of people. They can be, but they were, but this one was certainly scary for me because it was a world in which was completely unknown to me. So I got to a point where we had exhausted what I could do at home. You know, we were, he wanted me to buy weights and he said, I think we're at a point where we need to start lifting weights. And I started looking at the cost of weights and I didn't realize how expensive they were. And when I realized that the cost of the weights was more expensive than joining a gym, I said, well, what's the point of buying something when I could just join a gym and have more access to the facilities and the weights and all of the equipment that they have to offer? It was actually more cost-effective to join a gym, which is what I did. And he said, okay, great. If you join the gym, then we can, we can change the workouts now. We can really change them up so that we can utilize all of the things that we have at our disposal. Because at home, you're working with your own body weight. You know, There's only so much I can do with asking you to push yourself up or lift yourself up or uh, you know, get on a bench and do a sit-up or something. You know, like, there's so many things. It was limited. But once I joined the gym, the doors were open. And suddenly the workouts became even more challenging, but in a much more positive way, because suddenly I could go and see the people and I was also using them as examples of form and not everybody was doing your things right, but I was trying to look at them and go, okay, well, I can do that. I think I can do this. So it boosted my confidence. And as you said, it did start a sense of community because I started seeing the same faces. And although some people seemed very scary to me, they actually weren't. Because you look at these guys and they're like, oh, you know, they're big and they're strong. And I, I was nothing. I was a little weakling, but I really wasn't, but I thought I was. And sure enough, there I was on the bar and, you know, lifting myself up and doing pull-ups that I couldn't do here. And I was completing them and I suddenly felt like I, I actually belonged. Let's get to the end of the day. Um, what are you doing for sleep hygiene and dealing with stress? What does your evening routine look like? I try to take a walk, actually. I find that at the end of the day, a really nice long walk, I'll put my headphones on, my AirPods, I'll listen to whatever music I want to listen to. I walk around the neighborhood. Sadly, it's not near the beach. But if it was, I'd be walking along it. But I find that just taking the time to be alone and and just sort of, I guess, meditate in a way and just think about what the day has been, what tomorrow brings, but to have the time alone and just really take a nice long walk, I find that that is the most um, relaxing for me. I have been crazy. There are days where I will be super pumped and not wind down and I'll go to the gym because, you know, there's certain gyms that are open 24 hours. So I have worked out at two o'clock in the morning because that essentially brings me a new sense of peace and calmness as well and a sense of self-accomplishment. So, you know, it's crazy because if you had said to me that I was going to go to the gym at two o'clock in the morning, I don't want to be anywhere at two o'clock in the morning, but I've, I've worked out and, um, you know, my lifestyle has completely changed. And I will say this, the, not only was there a physical transformation, but there certainly was the emotional and mental transformation as well. I feel great. I went from a size large to a size small. I lost six inches across my waist. I have muscles now that I didn't expect to have. I mean, I'm not the strongest. I'm not, I mean, I'm not like Marty, but uh, I... I'm doing well for me, and here I am about to turn 51 in September, and I've never felt better in terms of my own body. Good for you. Good for awesome. you. I mean, I, I love talking to you. What a great story. I'm sure there's a lot of people are going to be able to relate to this. 
Well, if you guys are good, Marty, do you have any other comments or questions? Yeah, no, this is this has been uh, awesome. I I, I really uh, enjoyed hearing about your journey. I think most people don't take that journey as successfully, and maybe they don't have as many turns as, as you had in yours. But I think it's a very common journey, right? So a lot of people grow up not being comfortable with their body, not being confident in their body, not being you know, are, are being sort of, uh, you know, get signals early on that says, you know what, uh, you're not athletic, you're not capable. Why don't you just sit on the side? We don't need you. We don't want you. Like that intimidation whatever. factor. Yeah, right? intimidation yeah. factor. And yeah. to overcome that and to overcome that in, you know, a number of different uh, avenues, I think is, is awesome and, you know, has to uh, make you feel amazing. And obviously like you're in, you're in great health now and you're, you're, you know, I just think mentally that's, that's just gotta be such a boost. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, thank you. It's, it's, it's very nice. inspirational. Yeah. And I know, listen, we have listeners all around the world actually. And there's people that are in rural areas that don't have access to a gym, right. Or they're intimidated by the process. They see pictures of people that are physically fit or people in the media or on social media. And they're like, I could never look like that. or I could never, you know, so I think hearing your story can motivate and inspire people to listen where there's a will, there's a way you just gotta, what does that starting point look like and finding out somebody and gaining the knowledge, right. And not only inspiration, but the knowledge, how can you learn, um, whether it's with somebody like Tim Liu and if for our listeners out there, if you want to learn more about Tim Liu, we're going to have his website in the show notes of this episode. You could check him out for more information. Uh, well, with that said, Ron, thank you so much for joining us. We really enjoyed the conversation. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Awesome. Awesome. Anytime. We'd like to talk to you again sometime soon. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. If you've liked uh, what you heard so far, please make sure you like the episode, share it with your friends, family, coworkers, anybody you feel might be able to get something out of this um, and help them along their journey. That'd be great. Until next time, take care, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs>